About 20 years ago, I was working for a camp ministry, and my job that summer was to do the programming for like the in-camp activities. There's about 60 youth and adults at this camp. And as I was doing the work, uh, I had to prepare a worship service on the Friday night of the camp week. It's the close of the worship, the close of the camp week. Uh, they, we'd serve communion, we'd have candlelight, luminaries, crickets, an outdoor worship area. And so we would find a local pastor or a pastor in the camp to help us serve communion at these, uh, for these Friday nights. And we had a pastor in the camp that week who uh, just agreed to do communion. And she said to me, now, when people walk into the worship area, the outdoor worship area, I want you to hand them pieces of string. And I want you to then, we're going to instruct them to find a buddy and tie their wrist and their ankle to each other, okay? And so I'm, I'm 20 years old. This is an adult. This person's an elder in the United Methodist Church. I go, sure, that sounds great. Tie people together in the dark. What could possibly go wrong, okay? So we, I, okay, sure. And I, I get what she was trying to do. She was trying to convey, she said, I want them to come forward and paired up and serve communion to each other and get that servant attitude of it. But also she said, I wanted people to know that God was with them and that there was a presence there in communion in this way. So I said, sure, that sounds fine. So as they come in, we give them a string, they tie themselves to each other, and we, she invites them to come forward. And as they're coming forward, um, people begin to trip all over themselves. They begin to fall, and ro- some people actually rolled down the dirt in this center aisle. There's like 20 people piled on top of each other. And I put my face in my hands, and I thought, what in the world's going on? But I remembered, though, I appreciated that, that she was trying to say that we're not alone. We're not alone in these moments. And this brings us to our statement today of these I am statements that Jesus makes uh, in the New Testament, but also that, that God makes throughout the Bible. And today it's just that I am with you. I am with you. Uh, if you look at Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and Moses, he had a great resume. Moses was well known throughout all of Egypt. He had like the blueprints to Pharaoh's house. Moses was well connected. Uh, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. But when God called Moses, he didn't point to all of his pedigree and everything he had accomplished. God's promise to Moses was, I will be with you. I am with you. And then Moses says to God, well, when I go to the people of Israel and I tell them that you've sent me and they ask what your name is, what do I say? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. If you go to John chapter 8, the other side of the Bible, Jesus is having a dialogue with religious leaders, and he takes the divine name onto himself, where he says before Abraham was even born, they're having a debate about who are the sons of Abraham? He says, before I, Abraham was even born, I am. And Jesus takes the divine name onto himself. See, when you and I use the verb to be, it always has an object. I am Clark. I am going to the store. 
But when God says, he's saying, I am, he's saying, there's no beginning to me and there's no end. He's saying, there's no because of me. When God says, I am, throughout the Bible, God is saying, my being is dependent on no thing or no one. I have always been. And when Jesus says, I am, he is saying something that no founder of any other major religion has ever said. Plenty of others have said, here is something to try, here's something to do, here's a way to the truth, do this, don't do that. But Jesus says what you would expect God to say. He says, I am. I'm not going to show you the way, I am the way. I'm not going to show you the truth, I am the truth. I, and, and he has come to find you and me. Because if Jesus is right about what he said about himself, about being the great I am, then of course his claims are superior to all others. Because he's making absolute definitive truth claims. Now the notion of these absolute definitive truth claims of deity as Jesus makes, these can make a lot of postmodern people a little bit nervous. And so what we'll do is people will hedge their bets They'll put Jesus on the same shelf as other world religions and make them all the same. But Jesus doesn't give us that option. That when we lower him, what we're doing is we're being intellectually dishonest. We're not taking the time to read the things that Jesus actually said. We can't make him be what we want him to be. He is who he says he is. And he says that he is the great I am. Jesus makes eternal God qualities of himself constantly. He's having a debate with religious leaders and he says to them, I have sent prophets to you and you stoned and killed them all. He's, he's equating himself with God. Or he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He is making the claim to be God. Now, for a lot of people, though, that feels very far-fetched. It can feel a bit too much. It makes us a little bit uncomfortable to have these exclusive claims, but this is what Jesus said. Maybe you've heard of the rock band U2 and the lead singer Bono, whose real name is Paul Hewson. But Bono was being interviewed. He's being, probably being interviewed a lot. If you don't know, Bono is a Christian. He's a Christ follower. And the interviewer asked Bono, and says to Bono, you know, Bono, Jesus has his rank among the world's great thinkers, but the Son of God, isn't that a bit far-fetched? And his response was, the idea that the entire course of civilization for over half the globe could have its fate changed and turned upside down by a nutcase, he said, to me, that's far-fetched. See, Jesus doesn't give us an option. He's saying, I am the great I am, and I am with you. And we have to take him by his claims or not. And throughout scripture, you see God saying, I am with you. A few years ago, I was putting my daughter to bed, and like a lot of little kids, they can be afraid of the dark. Now, she has a little hippo that lights up, and it puts stars on the ceiling, and, and it helps and so I was leaving, and I turned on the light, and, and 
she said, Daddy, would you stay here with me tonight? And I said, well, no, it's pretty early. I, I have things I need to do. I, don't, I, can't, can't, I can't do that, but you're going to be okay. And I said, your stuffed animals are here. And, and I said, God, God is with you. You don't need to be afraid. And, and we're, we're right across the hall. And she said, yeah, but, but I want someone real. I want someone that can talk. And I never forgot that because as human beings, we have the tendency to feel fear to feel uncertainty, to feel anxiety, and there's great comfort in knowing that you're not alone. There's great comfort and encouragement to know that God's promises from cover to cover in the Bible are the same. He repeats himself, I am with you. The Lord said to Isaac in Genesis 26, don't be afraid for I am with you and I will bless you. Two chapters later to Isaac, what's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. To Joshua, they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. To Isaiah, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. To Jeremiah, for I am with you and I will take care of you. For I am with you, I will save you. Do you see a theme here? Through the prophet Haggai, I am with you, says the Lord. To the New Testament, Jesus, Matthew chapter 28, he says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus speaks to Paul in chapter 18 of the book of Acts. And he says, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you and will save you. From Adam and Eve to the book of Genesis, when God was with his creation, to the very end of Revelation, chapter 21, God's heart has always been the same. To be with us, his promise, I am with you, will be fulfilled in all its beauty and ultimate fruition at the end. Look look here in Revelation, chapter 21. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. From cover to cover, God's promise is the same. I am with you. But however, we live now in that time between Genesis and Revelation, in the not yet, in the in-between. And Jesus today in John chapter 14, we're going to see how he gives detail as to how God is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit that God's presence is with us through his spirit. That, and this is a great key point to see that, that God is not just interested in our destination, but that he's interested in our journey as well. And he sends us another advocate, helper, comforter, to help us in our journey. Now in John 14, starting in verse 15, you're not, you're not gonna be hearing him necessarily say, I am with you. But listen for how he, is, he, really is, he really is saying that God is with us. And he's more, even more interested in our journey than only in our destination. In verse 15 it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now he's going to, he bookends this passage with this idea of love and obedience. And that obedience is how we show our love to God. And that, and that loving God is more than just a Christmas and Easter thing. It's more than just a passive thing. It's an active thing. 
and we show our love through our, through our obedience, through our actions, through our words. So he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. You know, what is an advocate? An advocate is somebody that gives a voice to those who are voiceless, that gives power to those who are powerless, that stands in the gap. And Jesus was fulfilling that role, one of the many roles, as an advocate on his time on earth. He was advocating for the homeless, for the poor, for the sick, for the outcast. He was weeping over Jerusalem. He was interceding on the behalf of those that had no power or ability or strength. And Jesus is saying, I, if you, I'll ask the Father to send you another advocate, and this advocate, the Spirit of God, will be with you forever. He will not leave you, even though Jesus was preparing to go. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. It's interesting that Jesus uses personal pronouns to refer to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has personality just as the Father and the Son do. Three and one and one and three. Uh, they're they're equal, uh, equally God. And he's saying, that the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because they're not, they're not looking for him. They're not, looking, they're not recognizing him. But as the scriptures tells us, that for those that diligently seek God, God will reveal himself to them. And Jesus is saying, the world doesn't know the spirit, but you do. And uh, you will know him because he abides with you and he will uh, be in you. As he says, this is a foreshadowing of Pentecost when the Spirit of God would fall upon the early church. But see, Pentecost didn't just happen once. The Spirit of God can be within us at any time. The Spirit of God can work within our lives to be in us as temples of the Holy Spirit. We can receive the Holy Spirit by faith. To receive the new birth, if you will, and God can change us as new creations in Christ from the inside out. This is entirely a work of God that we receive by faith, uh, that God does in us. The Spirit of God can live within us and transform us. Then he says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphaned. And he's probably picking up on the room that maybe they're feeling a little bit afraid. Maybe they're feeling fear of abandonment. Is, is he really leaving? And he's saying, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. You're not alone. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Those who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. So this passage is showing us that God is not just interested in our destination, but that he's interested in the, in the journey of the disciples and in our journeys today as well. And he sends us an advocate, a helper, a comforter, a guide to lead us into all truth, the Holy Spirit. And he's not leaving us as orphans, but he's giving us the Holy Spirit to help us and to fill us with his power and, his, and wisdom as well. Now, if, if I was going to invite you to church, uh, now, 
one day we're going to meet back in person. We don't know when that day is, but we're going to be working toward that day. It will come one day, and we look forward to that day because it will be God has been stirring up his people, I believe, in a great way that's going to lead our country to another, I believe, great awakening of the Holy Spirit. And, but let's say, for example, I was going to invite you to church. I would probably say, you know, look us up online, get our address. I could maybe give you a map. I don't know if people even use maps anymore, a paper map. You would, look, of course, look on your phone, and you, the phone would then instruct you how to get directions to this physical location. You would follow, thanks to my tip on how to do it and your own ability to follow the map or have Siri, you know, really tell you what to do. Now, this is a picture of, of walking in the flesh, if you will, in your own ability, following a map, do's and don'ts. Not necessarily walking in the, in the Holy Spirit, not necessarily walking in a relationship with God. You're simply just following the rules. If Jesus had wanted his disciples just to follow a map, just to get to the destination, he probably could have done that. He could have given them a really cool-looking map, a map that was perfect and detailed. I'm not sure if they would even understand it, but he could have done that, but he didn't. He, he could have said, here's a map to my dad's house, and I'll see you there. And he could have snapped his fingers and disappeared, but he didn't do that. He said to them, I am the way. I am with you. And the Spirit will be there, not just to help you get to the destination, but to help you on your journey. Have you ever tried to follow someone in a car, and you're in your car, and they're really bad at it? Like, they get to a yellow light, and they don't stop, and you're stuck at the red light while they're speeding ahead, and you're trying to follow them somewhere? Or they get really far ahead of you, and they don't stop, so you can catch up to them, you know? Because another way to find your way to, to it, this church, or really anywhere, would be to follow somebody. I could get in my car, you would get in your car, and I would say, hey, follow me, and, you, and I will lead you to where you're supposed to go. Many years ago, I was going to visit someone out of town, and I was caught in a horrible rainstorm. And, uh, and it was so loud. It was one of those summer rainstorms when it's so loud, we couldn't even hear the phone telling us what to do, and we were all turned around. And my friend got in his car and drove out and led us to his house. And we could barely even see his car in front of us. It was one of those type of storms. And that type of following is built on a relationship. It's knowing that you're not alone. There's, there's a deeper security there, knowing that someone is, is with you. And it's like that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that the Spirit of God leads us in this journey of our life, Jesus says. God says throughout the Bible, I am with you. I am with you. And that Christianity is not just committing yourself to something. It's about committing ourselves to someone. Christianity is not just a philosophy. It's a person. It's not a what. It's a who. So in order to know God, to know the power of the Holy Spirit, to recognize his work in our life, we don't kneel and just, and just commit ourselves to a dogma or an organization. We commit ourselves to a person, 
the person of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments, this is a statement that's really taken in the context of relationship, of following in your car, behind his car, if you will. You don't follow because you have to. You follow because you want to. Not because you just want to follow the rules. It's because you love him. And he's leading you. And because you know him, because God not, is not just interested in our destination, but he's interested in our journey. And this is why he's with us through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us find our way, to lead us into truth, to help us understand the words of God and how we're supposed to do this day by day. Because God knows we need an advocate. He knows that we're powerless and that we don't have the voice or the ability and that the Spirit of God is with us in our weaknesses, in our journeys of life. I always like sermons that at the end you hear a bit of a so what. Like, okay, okay, great. All this sounds fabulous. But what does this look like when the rubber meets the road? How do I know that there's, there's what, is the, how, what is having the power of the Holy Spirit? God is with me. I am with you. What does that look like in my life? I went on Facebook this week and asked people, how have you known that God is with you during this past many months? What does that look like? What does the whiff look like for you? And one person said, peace that passes all understanding. God has given me a peace that has passed past all understanding. They said, anxiety can be a real challenge for me. And I appreciated this person's honesty. A lot of people right now, and you're listening to this, maybe this is you, anxiety, worry is a real problem for a lot of people right now. And this person said, it's, this has been a challenge for me, being overcome with anxiety. But sometimes I just feel a wave of calm that I can't explain, and I know it's God. I appreciate it. That's such a great comment, that the Spirit of God is with her and giving her peace and helping her in her life. Someone else said, God still speaks. He still hears my prayers, and I still hear his voice. That's so true. You know, when you read about all the people in the Bible, Moses, David, the disciples, all these people, they're just people. Well, not Jesus. Jesus is a little bit different. But they're all the rest of them. They're just people. They're, they're people that God said to them, I am with you. I'm with you. And I will never leave you. I'm sending one who will never leave you. And on this journey of life, I'm not just interested in your destination. I'm interested in your journey. I'm there to help you in your journey. I'm with you. God is with you. He'll always be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. God, he, you are who he says you are, that you are a child of God, and that he is scanning the horizon and waiting for us to come home. The great I am is saying, I'm with you, and I want to be with you. Will you be with me? Will you return to me with your whole heart and come to me in repentance and giving, my, giving your, your life to me. Because God's desire is not to see anyone perish, but to have everyone come to, ev to everlasting life. The Son has come so that all may live and have life everlasting. So as we go into this final song, 
may you claim the promise of what the great I am says about you, that you are a child of God. And that by faith, we can know the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives as temples of the Holy Spirit, born again, made new, refreshed. Lay it all down on his feet this morning. Whatever it is that's overcoming you or burdening you, may the Lord heal it in your life, that he is more than capable to do this work because he loves you. As a child of God or a son or a daughter, none of us are good enough. It's not about whether we jump through enough religious hoops. If God doesn't save sinners, we're all in trouble. But the good news is, is that he does every day. I'd be honored to pray with you right now. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, lead us into your truth. Comforter, comfort souls right now. Powerless people, Holy Spirit, fill them with your power. Those who feel that they have no voice, know that there is one, the only one, who will come alongside us and give us a voice. Those who are overcome with fear, Holy Spirit, fill them with courage. Those who feel alone and lonely and depressed, Holy Spirit, meet them where they are. Comfort and heal, Lord, that is your promise. May we receive it by faith, God, you're so good. Let us give us a childlike faith to receive what you want to give us this morning and claim what you say about us, that we are a child of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We invite you to sing with us this morning.